and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. I release new episodes every second Monday. Please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts to remain updated. If you want to be in touch with me, you can do that via Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can do it via the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook, or you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. I plan to keep this show free to download and listen to, but if you would like to help me out with the costs of production and hosting, you can do that via the Patreon campaign, patreon.com slash moment. You can make monthly donations over there to help me out, and that is very much appreciated. Many thanks to those of you who are already doing that. This episode is number 30 for the 17th of December 2018. My guest is vocalist Laura Polens. She is releasing her debut album Side by Side this week. So you'll be getting a little preview of some of that music in today's show. Starting with the following tune, this is uh, the first part of a suite, and you'll have to forgive my Latvian here. It's entitled Vienna Party Dveselite.
Latvian vocalist Laura Polens is my guest today. Laura, thanks so much for being here. Hello, Pat. So, yeah, I always like to begin by asking my guests to introduce themselves a bit. I mean, we know each other quite well, but I can't assume that everybody else out there is going to be aware of you. So can you tell me a bit about who you are, your background and all that stuff? Yes, I, uh, I'm Laura Polens. I'm from Latvia. And uh, I started... Uh, studying, playing, singing when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Studied in a choir school in Latvia, in yeah. Riga. And when I was 20, I moved to Amsterdam. That's like 10 years ago in the meantime. Yeah. And I studied at the Conservatory of Amsterdam. And now for the last five years, I've been here playing with various bands and projects. I'm working as a singer, composer, conductor. Yeah. Cool. And... um so you're releasing your debut album actually the week that this is coming out. This is quite unusual that um, people are actually going to get to hear bits of that album before it is released. Um, I'm I'm used to talking to people after their album comes out, but in this case, uh, the album will be coming out, I think, this Sunday, right? 21st, 21st. of December, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's in a few days. Um, it's called Side by Side. Uh, can you... Well, yeah, I'm I'm interested in the fact that this is your debut album. First of all, like, what is that like? Like, you're releasing your debut album. That's kind of a big deal. And second of all, like, you've been active on the scene for quite a while and stuff. Like, w- was there a sense of now I'm ready to do this? Or, like, did it... Because, I mean, I, I feel like I, I've known you for years and five years ago you could have made an album and I would have been really happy w- with it, kind of. But what I guess what took you so long? Maybe that's a terrible <laughs> question. <laughs> no, that's a nice question. I've been busy with uh, many different bands, like mm-hmm. a, f- a few different bands. I've been in the project Howtown, yeah. we, where we are three vocalists and there's a double bass. Yeah, Leonard Heindels' uh, band. Yeah. And I've been uh, very active for the last four years with a band called Snow Apple. Mm-hmm. And we've been traveling a lot. So when I graduated from the conservatory, I was a little bit wondering what I'm, where do I want to put my energy in? But mm-hmm. then before I answered that question, I was already in <laughs> the various projects and I was traveling like the last three years. Yeah. I was traveling a lot and I was, for most of the time, I was not here in Amsterdam. I was on, on tour mm-hmm. and with Snow Apple, we traveled to Mexico six times. We were there for tour, yeah. for, for a tour and the band got really successful there. Yeah. It was great. We went to Japan and traveling a lot in Europe, playing England. Yeah. 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 So it's been really intense travel travels for me the last few years. Yeah. And making uh, different records with different bands. Also, I've been part of Kaya Draxler Octet, yeah. which is a really nice project. Yeah, Kaya's been on the show talking about that. So people will actually have heard your voice before. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it's I've been uh, I've been uh, collaborating with a lot of people, and I also see myself a lot like a team player. I like to. Yeah. I also really like to work with other vocalists. Mm-hmm. It gives me a lot of joy. Like I, I've been singing in a girls' choir since I was 10 years old. Yeah. And somehow it feels like that is coming back in 
back to me all the yeah. time. Yeah. Also now for this this album for Side by Side, which I'm releasing under my name, which is the f- first album I'm releasing under my name. Uh, under? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also asked eight colleagues of mine, yeah. eight singers that I that I really like, mm-hmm. <laughs> to join for the for the record. Yeah, but so um, is it? How does it feel to be to be releasing this now? Like, do you do you have that sense of I'm ready to do this? I'm ready because you are a team player, like as you say, and you've had a lot of things that were either either work as like collaborative work or literally like playing somebody else's music. Um, what was it that made you like? Made you get the sense of okay, now it's time for me to release my own thing. It's my own music, and it's my yeah. Uh, yeah, through doing uh, through doing different things and playing with different people. Uh, I mean, you learn a lot, and I and I've been really enjoying playing with different bands. But at some point, I started getting more and more the the idea that if I really want to make the music sound exactly how I want it to sound. And if I want to bring out my compositions, then I just have to take the responsibility mm-hmm. that in, that includes making an own CD or organizing your own concerts. Yeah, sure. And uh, I'm basically learning that because music, making music is kind of what I want to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Once you become a leader, like, say like you are going to compose the music and you're going to organize and set up things for a group. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that brings many hours of different type of work. Yeah, it's true. All of a sudden, it's it, the music making is the reward rather than the um, the main activity somehow, right? Like suddenly you are working hours and hours on on sending emails and stuff, and finally you get to play music for an hour or whatever. Yeah, actually, funny. Like now, uh, side by side is coming out very soon, and in in the meantime, I'm now busy writing material for. For a new CD. Oh wow! Okay. And I, that actually gives me gives me a lot of a lot of strength or a lot of joy to to keep working on other things around it. So I yeah. always see music as the the core of the work. Yeah. No, of course. Or just having uh, creative ideas also brings, uh, let's say, practical ideas. Mm-hmm. The, how you can manage different things. Yeah. Um, so let's speak a bit in detail about the album. Uh, it's well, first of all, and this is always obviously always the first question regarding people's albums, which is like the the lineup. Um, you you have quite an unusual instrumentation, I guess, on the record. Uh, do you want to speak a bit about that and about the people that join you on the record? Uh, yes, I I asked for this record, uh, um, viola player and guitarist George Dumitriou. Yeah, who's been featured on this show quite a few times yeah. actually by now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Leonard Handels, my longtime uh, partner in crime. Mm-hmm. Musically, we've been working for six years together. Yeah, uh, in the band Howtown and with other projects, yeah. also with Kaya Draxler Octet. Yeah, on the bass, that is, by the way. Yeah, for those that know. Yeah. yeah. So, and um, when I decided to make this album. It was not like we have a band together with these people. Mm-hmm. But I know them very well and they know me very well. And also for their personalities or for their music, I thought it would be really great to work with them. Yeah. And actually, like the whole idea came for the album also from the label Just Listen Records. Mm-hmm. It's like a platform for high division 
quality sound uh, records, yeah. native DSD platform. Yeah. They're actually giving me a chance to make this record. Yeah, okay. And um, and so I, I just uh, thought, okay, I'm going, I'm going to make this CD because they asked me if I would be interested in okay. making an album for them. So they, the label contacted you and said, hey, would you like to make a thing? And, and yes. Okay, cool. So I thought, yes, I would like to do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not like we get that kind of offer all that uh, often. So Yeah, indeed. So then I started putting music together. I wrote a few new pieces. Mm-hmm. And I also uh, changed the instrumentation and the arrangements of a few pieces that I had written before. Yeah. And that was a really nice process. It was, it was uh, for a long, big part, really me sitting and arranging and composing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were working on the material with George and Leonard for three days. Yeah. Because everything was ready and I know that they can improvise. Yeah. And we we know each other. Mm-hmm. So in three days, all the materials were, all the material was rehearsed and we were ready to go in the studio. Yeah. And the lady, there was eight ladies who joined the on the record. Yeah. We didn't rehearse at all. Yeah. Just improvise together. <laughs> that's quite a, a feat of of trust, I suppose. Um, to be like, especially, this is your first album. I mean, like there is a certain amount of pressure that comes along with that. And then to be willing to just, like it speaks a lot to, um, I suppose also the personalities of the people that you worked with. Because indeed like Lenat and, and George are the kind of people that you could just put them in a room and music is going to happen. Uh, it doesn't really matter what uh yeah what you bring to them but i'm i'm interested in that choice of repertoire because some of the pieces i feel like i've played some of the pieces that were on the record like years ago uh possibly when we were still in school together and stuff so like how and yet there is really like a cohesive sense and i guess that comes from the instrumentation and the people but um how did you choose the repertoire when did what did you think okay these tunes deserve to be updated and they work and they fit within the context of this larger thing and then what how did you approach writing the new material I suppose uh, alongside that sorry how did I well uh, uh, how did you approach the, the, the combination of like old material and new material and what was the what was the idea behind that I actually chose from like the older material the pieces that I that I once thought oh I really want to do something with them and then mm-hmm. five years later, I caught myself, oh, now's the time. Yeah, okay. <laughs> These are, yeah, because, uh, yeah, through the past few years, I was actually maybe a few times looking for a context to play to play them. Yeah. And uh, stylistically, it wouldn't fit with, with the projects I was in or something yeah, like that. Sure. And, and now I thought, oh, this is a really good chance to, to play them. And what I'm really, I'm really happy about this suite with text in Latvian that, that yeah. I really wrote for this mm-hmm. record. Um, there I feel really more kind of a direction in which I maybe want to keep writing more. Yeah, and okay. I really like to combine composed and improvised material. Mm-hmm. Or I really loved how that worked out. Yeah. And when I was also in the studio, I was like, oh, wow, this is exactly yeah. like this kind of amazing thing, most amazing thing that could have happened, that everyone just can bring in a lot of who they are. Yeah. And it sounds very organic because I, I trust all the people I invite. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, really nice to see that. 
Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to, to like speak in more detail about that suite because it's, uh, like you say, the text is in Latvian, like you, you wrote it yourself. As far as I understood, it's also, like, it, it has Latvian uh, folk influences in terms of, like, the shape of the piece and the, and the musical content. Uh, can you speak a bit to that? Like, what exactly is it about it that's that's Latvian? I mean, I understand that vocal music and like dance Choral and stuff music. is yeah is something that is really important in Latvia. Um, can you can you yeah can you explain a bit about what it is that's so specifically Latvian about that suite? Uh, for the for the text of this suite, I really consciously chose to use elements and motives that are that are typically kind of combinations of words or symbols mm -hmm. that are in the Latvian uh, folk music yeah. there's a, there is a very specific uh, form of folk music in Latvia which is kind of like four or six lines of a little poem mm -hmm. and then you would could get one of them or many of them as a like a chain of them to to say something uh, longer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How do I explain? Yeah. And um, that is a kind of a unique form yeah. of folk music that mm -hmm. only exists in Latvia. I think also in other Baltic countries they have similar. Yeah. Um, because of the similar history and location. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's similar kind of things happening. But so it comes like the form is dictated by the texts. The text is written and then. Or is there a form, like I imagine, is there a form that, like a sonnet or whatever, like you have to write this number of no, syllables? No, it's more, or whatever, it's like, more free. It's okay. more free, so it can be any number of syllables, but yeah. it's usually those four lines, or there is like one, uh, say, one uh, situation of a human's life and, mm -hmm. a, and a symbol in nature mm -hmm. that uh, also carries the same Ah, metaphor, okay, so there's also like a that. thematic content that yeah is so and the the content of this suite is, like if you we we and a patted vesselit in english would mean alone the soul mm -hmm. the, the soul is alone okay yeah <laughs> and uh yeah that became kind of the main motive of this that we come alone in this world and yeah. we will leave <laughs> leave it alone and mm -hmm. no matter how how uh yeah, how and we are very close to each other in that sense, also. Yeah, because we all walk the path of our life. Yeah, and I, yeah, I somehow got got uh, into that idea. So the second part is about how you leave home, and mm -hmm. the parent, the the mother is crying and the father is angry. <laughs> Why are you going away? Okay, are you not happy to be in your land? Yeah. And it's also been a thing that I've been thinking about. Yeah. No, sure. Yeah. Um, I I hate to ask that really like typical and boring journalistic question of how much of it is written, how much of it is improvised, because I I also <laughs> don't really enjoy having to answer that question. But in this case, I think it applies because you literally have a choir of eight people there and you tell me that they just improvised. Um, oh, with guidelines. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But then that is also yeah. like composition yeah. in itself, right? Yeah. Like when you yeah. write the guidelines. So I'm interested in what what did the what did the material look like when you brought it to them, and how did you how did you make sure that people who have no connection to that like cultural form and that that form of music, like how did you manage to get them to make something that was coherent with your vision in that sense? I did send them. 
the lyrics and the translation in English mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah. And I sent also my guidelines for improvisations. And these guidelines would be like uh, like a set of notes or suggested notes that you could choose for this part and this part. And let's say the, um, the first part would be really long notes and you mm-hmm. can just really explore the sound. And the second part would be a mot- uh, one motive that's more rhythmical, more yeah. short and uh, short notes and... Yeah, just more established rhythm, yeah. but within that, within that frame, you're allowed and you're free to do whatever you feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, is what you're doing, like the melodic content of what you're doing, is that also very improvised, or was that somewhat of a fixed? Like, I know this is what I'm gonna kind of do on top of whatever happens. The the my my part was um, the beginning was clear, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea was that. I will have I have to follow in the moment where it goes. Okay, yeah. So it it is uh mostly improvised. Yeah. That's great. That's yeah. really cool. It's it I I love the process. Like it seems like a somewhat unusual thing that you start with, okay, this is where I'm gonna start and this is what I'm gonna tell people to do, and who knows what they're gonna do, but then you're gonna fit whatever it is that you wrote. Yes, exactly. Them. Because depending on what others are gonna do, also my I'm going to react. So yeah. it's this kind of action reaction yeah. was happening a lot and I was really enjoying that. Yeah. And I remember feeling like really uh thankful for everyone being so generous. Like I me, me met in the studio and mm-hmm. eight eight ladies entered the studio with a <laughs> lot of energy and yeah, chatting yeah, yeah, yeah. vividly for an hour and then we are in a studio which is a church. Yeah. And okay, let's uh, let's work on this now. And then the focus and the the sharing was really heartwarming for me and, and like yeah. surprising almost. Yeah. No. And the end result is great. I mean, it's it's uh, you would not guess that you had not made that agreement. Like the the, the it doesn't sound like a thing that was like left to chance somehow. Like this, the, it feels like a somewhat of a coherent like. Concept, Quite a leap of faith, in a way. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's an impressive choice to make, especially like I say on a debut album. It's kind of a, a yeah. It's 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 very cool. Uh, you mentioned in passing now that you recorded in church. Uh, I I want to like go a bit into detail about what the recording process was like. As far as I understood, you had three days in the studio. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, the, one one of the days was to set up and also to record for the for this label and for yeah. the native DSD platform yeah. it is quite a specific thing where yeah. we are all in the same room mm-hmm. and uh, we are all recording in one take at the same time yeah. everything yeah i think it's important maybe that we explain i mean i'm aware of native dsd even though it's a it's a somewhat unusual thing to encounter nowadays and well i think it so it's a it's a basically a, f- a recording format and it's a file format that was patented by Sony and Philips as far as I can uh, I, I understand. Yep. And it is an alternative to uh, like regular like formats that we use for to print on CD. Basically, like as far as I understood, it's a format that was designed initially to be used for Super CD, uh, which was not a successful format as we know historically like with Betamax and VHS and all those kinds of things there's always two formats and one of them wins out over the other but 
as far as I understood, because of the prevalence of like online streaming and stuff, like this is a format that is coming back into existence somehow, right? Um, so is it like is it the nature of that format? And, and it, it, the idea is that it's very high definition and, and stuff. But is it the nature of that format that means that you had to record all in one space and all that stuff? Or like, can you? Yeah, it yeah. is the the nature and it's the philosophy of this this uh, platform. Yeah, like, okay. And of the label. Yeah. And I and actually that fits very well also with my idea of how this album could be made. Yeah. And that w- uh, was a really nice challenge and it was actually a lot of fun yeah. every uh, take mm. that you make for the album is very exciting yeah like, of it's course. kind of all or nothing feeling yeah. all the time yeah whereas very often recording vocals would happen afterwards yeah or there would be a lot of uh, kind of encouragement for doing little bits uh, or like yeah we're gonna edit it and yeah. so there was there, there was in a way a lot of responsibility mm. like how it's going to be sung and played. Yeah. This is how it's going to sound. Yeah, exactly. Their goal is to capture the moment very specifically and not... Really the sound of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Now, the... I'm interested, like, it's... There's a parallel between this and I've had... I, when I had Ephraim uh, Tuhir on the on the show, we talked a bit about the idea of recording to tape because uh, that's the thing that they did on the, on the latest record that he released. And it seems like there's a similarity there to the idea of, like... We're recording the moment, and it just has to happen. And that philosophically is philosophically is really quite interesting. But I'm interested in the like the quality of the sound. Like, what what is the mixing process like for a thing like this? Is there any mixing at all? Like, is it literally like this is printed the way it is, and that's it? Because it it feels extremely natural. Like, you can hear that this is the space it was in, and everything. And like, is that there's literally no tweaking after the event in that sense, or? Yeah, there is just listening to the few takes and choosing a take. Okay, and that's it. And that's it. And wow. I just went, went to uh, to Jared, yeah. who's uh, mixing and mastering this mm-hmm. record, and we just sat one day yeah. in his studio, which has the most most amazing <laughs> sound system ever. It was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So you have five speakers around you yeah. and two speakers behind you. Yeah, and then you really um, before you just catch yourself looking around the room where yeah. the sound came from because it's so uh, present. Yeah. But so is that, does that not, this is probably a, a, a silly question at this point, but does that not cause issues when you then want to go and release it on a different format than that format? Or is it just not possible? Like what, how is this going to work? Because I assume it's going to be, people going to be able to stream this online and stuff. But... Yes, yeah, so on the 21st of December, which yeah. is next week. Yeah. Um, it's going to be released on the the platform and yeah. also on Spotify okay. and yeah. uh, Apple Music. Yeah, sure. Uh, but for the um, physical copies, we're still <laughs> discussing what what is the best solution yeah, because exactly, indeed cause... it's quite a quite a in, interesting um, like struggle because I I would like to have physical CDs for um, yeah. for um, uh, for con- have like after concerts. I can, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also don't want this uh, quality of the sound be be worse. So then yeah, we have can, to find a s- certain way how to mix it and yeah. master it differently. Yeah, of course. I can imagine that you can't just bounce it down to forty four k and then be done. Nope. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That. Uh, 
No, that's interesting. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's interesting to our listeners, but I find <laughs> it very interesting. Um, I yeah. find it interesting that you find it interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> At least the two of us are interested. Um, the, yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting back to the music itself. Um, something that struck me about the entire uh, album was that the pieces, generally speaking, are very short. And there's like a sort of like vignette quality to them. It's like a little moment and then that that's it. Um, is that a conscious decision? Is that a thing that you like, I want my pieces to be two, three minutes long, in some cases less than two minutes mm. long? Um, or was that each piece has got a different thing? Or was there a general concept about that? Like how, how do you think about that? For this album, I was not very interested in long solos as in as coming from kind of a jazz idiom yeah as in we have there's a piece written and let's take a solo over a chorus or for this and that amount of time so there's a few moments where um one or more people are improvising mm -hmm. but you uh, for the shorter pieces they were kind of going more uh, direction chamber music actually i think yeah or how i experienced that and also at the time when I was composing and arranging that that felt like a good soothing um, atmosphere for me where I yeah. where I like liked to go yeah now I'm making a a new record which is going to be a solo record okay wow so I'm st I have most compositions for that and they're much more quirky and yeah and uh, synthesizer sounds and kind of crazy oh, wow. backing vocals so that's going to be something that, that isn't where I am now, and yeah. I know that, like, what, like that's almost a year ago. Yeah. I was in a, quite a chamber uh, place, also yeah. with with the choir. Yeah, yeah. The only the, the last uh, the last track of the CD, the Brazilian song with yeah. uh, Rogério Bicudo, the yeah, guitarist. Yeah, yeah. That I want I want to talk about specifically. Um, actually, yeah. So there is a one one piece on the record which stands out as as very like separate from the rest in that sense besides the fact that there's one moment when suddenly a choir appears out of nowhere but that's that's one thing but <laughs> the fact that it suddenly changes to this brazilian music and like just duo with a brazilian guitarist and i know that brazilian music has been a really important part of your um like your musical life so to speak for the past few years uh can you speak a bit to that in general, like the idea of what it is about Brazilian music that has always appealed to you so much and how you've explored that really, like, and then I guess, I suppose there is a, then the leap from that to I want to have a piece of Brazilian music <laughs> so on my Brazilian, record makes yeah. complete sense, but maybe yeah. people need a bit of the backstory there. Yeah, so I start, uh, I uh, has, I had a, a Brazilian pronunciation classes at the conservatory of Amsterdam yeah. and that's when I realized that I really do like some sambas and chorus and bossa novas mm -hmm. and uh, later different styles like forró and baião and I uh, just started listening to more and more Brazilian music and I started learning the language and I started translating all the lyrics of the songs I was learning yeah. I was happy to play with Breno Virissimo yeah. A long time colleague. Yeah, yeah. And um and he's from Brazil. Yeah. So then then he also helped me a lot with finding uh like songs that were fitting or that I really loved. And I know that with Brazilian music I really always felt such a almost like a 
kind of a, a physical response where you just do want to dance when you hear the music yeah, or something course, like that. Yeah. And I just really like feel that very strongly. And so I, I've been singing that for like good 10 years now, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I still love it. And a few years ago, I met Rogerio. Mm-hmm. And he has a like a Brazilian music session, Clube do Samba, okay, yeah. Samba Club in yeah. Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and uh, he's been really like a teacher for me. Also, uh, playing together, yeah, and talking about music and just. Uh, also, I was, when I was making this recording, I thought that would be great to play something with Rogerio, or in general, it's something that uh, I like to do often is to mix things. And not to have one thing just because it's one record, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean to me that it has to be one thing. Also, I love that about Amsterdam that I can play many different kinds of music with yeah. many different people, and that all has a place uh, in my life or yeah. in, in my week. Also, yeah. I just want to play many different kinds of music. Yeah. No, that's very true. I, I I find it interesting that you you have gone so deeply into Brazilian music. I mean, it seems like that's one of the things that is on the list of stuff that you're supposed to be able to do as a, like, whatever, jazz student or whatever. You're supposed to be able to play a Latin tune, which is, like, just the word Latin means absolutely nothing in that context, right? Um, <laughs> and most people will then go ahead and sing and probably gonna they're going to sing the English lyrics on a thing that is... Shabim uh, piece or whatever, and that's kind of as far as it goes. Whereas in your case, you weren't really deep; like you already just can name all the different styles and those different things that you, you like. You have such an awareness of that stuff, which is it's refreshing. I find like that somebody actually digs into that stuff um, rather than the surface level things that we tend to. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, now I am going to. I started leading a choir in Utrecht, a okay. ladies' choir, mm-hmm. and they are. Uh, spe- specialized in Brazilian music repertoire, okay. and that's really also a great way how I can combine yeah. leading a choir, which I've been doing since I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. So I studied that in Latvia, yeah. and also the passion for Brazilian music. Mm-hmm. So I'm already enjoying the rehearsals a lot. Is that something that I don't? I mean, maybe this is going to show my ignorance, but choral Brazilian music is that a thing? No, actually, not <laughs> I really. I didn't think so. I also, I'm also quite surprised because there's not so much choir music in no. Brazil. Yeah, there's a there's much more percussion bands, like exactly. large groups playing percussion together. Yeah, and then there's one singer. Yeah, exactly. Singing a crazy, like kind of uh, almost classical, but also very oh, sounds very auto tuned voice. Like to be able to to project over like a big group of people. Yeah. I was also in Brazil for Carnival in 2016. Mm. I couldn't believe that. <laughs> it's yeah. super different what they do. Like in Latvia, you get this song festival where there's 40,000 people singing yeah. together. I, I remember being in Ega when that was happening and it was quite a quite a happening moment. Like just the street, <laughs> streets full of people in these traditional dresses and all this stuff. It's kind of exciting. Uh, um, yeah, can we, can we speak about that? That's a... a, a quite a tangent but it's something that I like to ask people um, occasionally when when something like this comes up which is it seems to me like Latvia has like a way more um, sorry maybe what I'm going to say is going to sound terrible no worries uh, <laughs> I, I feel like for what is objectively a fairly small country um, 
there is a really booming jazz scene, and if not necessarily booming jazz scene in Latvia itself, more specifically, the number of musicians that you have exported from Latvia to the rest of the world, um, and specifically to here, I suppose, um, is kind of phenomenal. There's also a lot of great Latvian musicians in Copenhagen. There's a lot of great Latvian musicians now in Berlin. Um, what, like, do you have any kind of a viewpoint on that, like of what it is about Latvia and the current generation of Latvian people that, that like, might have caused that? <laughs> Maybe that's a strange... Uh... Um, I actually think that there is quite an interesting generation that that is now in their 30s, yeah, exactly. Like uh, early 40s in Latvia. Um, and these are people who, whose parents uh, lived their whole life, like half of their life in the Soviet Union. Yeah, of course. And uh, I was I was three years old when Soviet Union broke down in yeah. Latvia. Mm-hmm. And, that is, and we are this generation which suddenly had the doors to Europe open. Yeah where we could uh, basically have all the chances that we dare would dare to have in yeah. our lives and just go do things uh, to West and to wherever. Yeah. And uh, that is now, I think, really starting to bring its fruit mm-hmm. to Latvia because there was a lot of... Uh, the, the Soviet mentality I could uh, describe a little bit like, well, what can I do? I cannot do so much. And that also, like, what can he do or what can you mm. do? There's a kind let's of an like, inferiority complex thing, yeah, right? Yeah, let's just be normal and act normally and stay home and not be too crazy about all the stuff. Yeah, okay. Where, there, where the, the, the generation after, like, who just started growing up in Latvia was independent. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's like... Um, there, there's not a handful of chances. There's like a f- world full of chances. Yeah. <laughs> there's every, like the, what you dare or what you can think of, you can kind of make happen. But that is also a problem of our generation everywhere. Right? The, there's young people who feel like if I don't make the best out of myself, out of my life, if I am not successful, then I am a failure. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of people. Yeah. No, I guess so. That's it, It's interesting that you point that out. That's not something that occurred to me. The idea that ambition is a fairly new phenomenon <laughs> like in yeah, that sense yeah i think in latvia that that ambition is kind of a very healthy thing that is happening now that yeah. there's more and more musicians bringing out their original music yeah where there's a lot of appreciation for kind of tradition or music that's been heard a lot but along that there's a lot of interesting initiatives happening and indeed i find that the mentality often of Eastern European musicians because of the past, because of some difficulties that happened during like events in history that were yeah. very heavy for families or for yeah, yeah. the whole country, that that, um, yeah, that, uh, that changes something in the music yeah. or changes something in how people make music or how they create things. Yeah. No, that's true. It's, yeah, no, interesting topic. I remember I was, uh, I remember touring in Latvia and being... Oh, yeah, you've one, been there. I've been quite a few times to Latvia. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the, the people will be, uh, will know very well the intro and outro music to this this uh, podcast, which is Catrio, which has Andres Boikis on, on drums, who's obviously Latvian, uh, uh, the hero of the Latvian drums, as far as I'm concerned. 
Um, and <laughs> yes, he, uh, he moved back to Latvia a few years ago. So obviously we, we did quite a bit of touring there. I remember touring with him and um, meeting some like old rock and roll guy and we were staying at his house one night, like in the middle of nowhere in Latvia. And I remember him bringing out this like Rolling Stones record and he was like, yeah, th- like this is the first thing I got after the... Um, like after the Soviet Union fell, basically. And that until that point, he had not heard that stuff. And suddenly, like Mick Jagger and like like the Rolling Stones, and, and, and this guy was, you look at him and he could have been your typical rock and roll guy the way you see them here as well. You know, people that have been listening to that stuff their whole life. But he had this clear date of like, yeah, this is the day that I discovered <laughs> rock and roll you know it's such a crazy thing that 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 was possible and i suppose that that speaks as well to what you were saying uh, somehow yeah and b- besides that now i think there is um, a wave of musicians who are in their 30s like early 30s who went abroad to study mm-hmm. also to amsterdam there is like a number of people who came to study here and like yeah. most of them are now back in latvia yeah and um, they are bringing the knowledge or the experience they had here yeah. and and sharing that and yeah it's true that that sense of like there's always that first move is we need to get away from where we come from and then oh now we should go home and bring back what we learned kind of thing um it's interesting that that is now happening. I think a lot of people first would like, there's a couple of people that went, I'm going to New York and I'm never coming home kind of thing. Um, but I see in, indeed more and more people moving back to Higa and actually like uh, bring it. I mean, I've given workshops and stuff in, in Latvia and you see it that there's a young generation of people who know that, hey, we can go to study in wherever it is and, and, and they're excited, excited about it. And it's, uh, no, it's very cool. Yeah, but it's it's great to also be in Latvia. I'm also trying to at least have two, three tours a year there yeah. and just bring bring the music or like also just go see what happens there with the with the music scene and Yeah. And uh I had last that I was in with Howtown with this band. I mean we did a yeah. C D release there in June. Mm-hmm. So we we got to play on the national TV, like to announce our concerts, and so yeah. then a lot of family and yeah. re, f- uh, p- uh, friends of my parents came, and then they were like, "Wow, this is a very, very interesting music that we are not used to." And I was like, "Thank you so much. That's a great <laughs> compliment, and that yeah. is exactly what I'm intending to share." Yeah, yeah like yeah. there's so many people who are gonna. I sing a lot of like beautiful covers of songs that are very heard. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm yeah, I also see my my uh, contribution to Latvian music is just to really bring what I believe in. Yeah. And just to just keep doing that. Yeah. And I do have a feeling sometimes that if I was living in Latvia, that would be much more difficult. Yeah. No, because, it's true. Yeah, yeah, because seeing that there's few musicians and also there's like few ideas that are very strong, strongly in the air in the streets of Riga. Mm-hmm. You kind of almost feel like you have to whether follow them or you're going to be a bit of an outcast or something. Yeah, okay. Whereas here in Amsterdam, I do have a feeling that basically if I can think of it, I can do it. Yeah, no, that's very yeah. true. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, touring and stuff, uh, what are the... What are the plans as far as like performing this music, the music from this record live? Have you uh, got like 
album release shows? Are you planning to um, perform specifically with the same people? Like, how how do you see that happening? We are going to release the album uh, with uh, Leonard on the bass and mm-hmm. George on viola and guitar yeah. in May. Okay. Here in Amsterdam yeah. and in uh, Latvia, yeah. in a few places. And I'm keeping it a little bit open if it's going to bring us to some more places. Yeah. Yeah. And parallel to that, I am now also making the solo thingy. So yeah. <laughs> I'm quite excited about that. Yeah. But I want to make a release tour for this album late spring, beginning of summer. Yeah, okay. And I'm busy now with contacting yeah. venues. To I'm do very that. interested in that. That's a It's a typical thing, I suppose, that maybe people aren't always very aware of, which is that by the time you're releasing something, it's kind of far in the past for you. You know? Yeah, it's always like that. Uh, and, and when and you're already already busy musically with something else. Yeah, exactly. And so you you already kind of moved on to a certain extent, and yet here you are, like having to speak all enthusiastically about a thing that happened. Whatever. I actually I, am enthusiastic about it. I, I, you yeah. sound enthusiastic <laughs> yeah. about it, but I, I mean, you recorded this like a year ago or something yeah. almost. No, um, so that's that's a long process. And then if you're still between now and May, you know, for for a release show, and and it's it's such a long term thing. So I'm I'm curious to see how that um, how that solo thing is going to develop in that sense. Because if you're already busy with that, and, and yeah, I I also uh, as I get older. I tend to think it doesn't really expire. I think there's, if I, like, so now there's, it's going to be released online. Mm-hmm. End of February, it's going to be, there's going to be the physical copies. Yeah. And then in late spring, we're going to release it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so th- this project has its life. Yeah. And there, along that, there's other, other musical ideas or yeah. that, are, that I'm busy with. No, of course. Yeah, so that's nice. That makes makes it all kind of diverse, yeah. and rich. And I love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a tiny detail, but uh, I do I do want to check with you. Did you play your own piano on the record? There's a tune where you play piano. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Is that something that's going to be like more heavily featured in the solo stuff? Or yeah. Yeah. Cool. Also, some more synthesizer sounds and yeah. Oh, cool. I don't. I mean, it's always yeah. interesting to like. It, it was another thing that st- stuck out because suddenly it was just voice and a piano, and and whether it was you or not, I wasn't. I suspected it would be. But, yeah. Um, cool. Um, is there any other stuff you want to mention? Like, obviously, you're very busy with all kinds of uh, various projects and stuff, and I'm sure there's um, other people's bands that you may want to mention that you you are doing stuff with or any. Yeah. There is a very interesting experiment coming beginning of January. Mm-hmm. On the 5th of January, I'm going to be playing one set, 40 to 50 minutes, mm-hmm. together with Tineke Postma and Tony Rue. Yeah. And I have never played before with these musicians, but mm-hmm. Felix Schlarman from Amsterdam Jazz Fest approached me and yeah. asked me if that would be interesting to to play together yeah. with Tony and Tineke. And I find it a really interesting no, definitely. experiment and collaboration to play with these great musicians. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so th- that is a concert that uh, I want to invite everyone to come to and listen. Yeah, is that yeah. Bim House? Bim House, 5th yeah. of January. Cool. No, I'm, I'm excited about that. Obviously, I'm always, it's always fun to see Tony. I mean, I play with Tony constantly, so it's always fun to see him play in a different context. Um, yeah, I'm very curious what's going to happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, any other uh, stuff? I mean, you know, we, we've mentioned Howtown, we've mentioned Kaya's band. Uh, yeah, with Kaya's band, it's a great, great group of people and I'm very happy to be in this this band. Yeah. And we're traveling not not very often, but when we travel, we go to really nice festivals and yeah. there's a... There might be a tour to Canada in June. Okay, cool. Which I really hope will work out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, that, that would be great. I'm, I, I very much admire her for her persistence of like putting together an octet and keeping it going is like, it must be quite a When she doesn't live in Amsterdam herself anymore. Yeah, it's true. It's, she, it's she really moved away, amazing, yeah, yeah that yeah. it's going on. Also, I had um, in um, a, f- a few months ago in October, I got a phone call from Floris Capeine, a oh, piano, yeah, player, piano player, yeah. that he's recording a CD and uh, one of the vocalists, one of the four vocalists who, are going, who was going to record mm-hmm. cannot make it. Okay. And if I could come to Osnabrück to Fattoria Musica <laughs> studio yeah, yeah, yeah. the next week and that the <laughs> material is quite tricky. Yeah. It was a short, short piece, but I looked at the material indeed was quite tricky. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so I went to Osnabrück and recorded uh, like yeah. helping out to to fill in for the the missing singer. Okay. And we're going to have a release concert on 11th of January in the Beam House. Okay, cool. So yeah, I guess Flores is Flores is somebody that I should have on the show. I I um Yeah, maybe it's interesting. Him, He's bringing an album out. Yeah, that's that's somebody who's in mm-hmm. my uh, on my radar definitely. Cool. Um, oh, and I'm going to play a solo concert in the Ramte on the 7th of February. Okay, cool. Yeah. So is that going to be some of this new material? Or? Yeah, it's like new, 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 new. Okay, exciting. Newer than new. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, I, I, yeah, I guess we're reaching the end of this uh, conversation. And as you already know, I always like to ask my guests if there's something they'd like to recommend uh, that the audience check out, something that you found particularly inspiring and... Um, yeah, it could be just about anything. So yeah, there's um, um, a poet who I met when I was on tour with Snow Apple in mm-hmm. California. Okay. In San Luis Obispo. Yeah. Um, there's a, like a whole street which used to be like ancient, like like from the from indigenous people. Some in, like energy line, lane, energy line, like okay. very. And, and there's like a whole street of people who live there. Mm-hmm. They're amazing, most amazing people. And there's also wild peacocks living there. And okay. they just walk around there and like, <laughs> And uh, so there I met uh, this poet, Carl Kempton. Okay, yeah. So you spell K, uh, Carl with K okay. and Kempton yeah. with K too. Okay, cool. And he has a book that I really love and it's called Poems About Something and Nothing. Okay. And he also has really interesting visual solutions how he how he writes down his poems, mm. and I find it very fascinating. I actually wrote a piece yesterday with his poem, oh, okay. which was called "Tic Tac Dao." Okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, I will be linking to that uh, in the show notes for people that want to go check it out, um, and there will obviously be links to your uh, all of your stuff, the the album, and all that. Stuff. Don't expect to find it just yet because if you listen to this as because soon as it releases, it's not, it's not actually out there. Uh, but you will be getting a taste of it. Uh, you will already have heard a taste of it and we'll be getting a bit more of it in a second. Uh, Laura, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Beth. Nice to talk to you. 
That was Laura Bollens. Look out for her new record, Side by Side, that will be out this week. Many thanks to my fellow members of Catrio for providing the intro and outro music. Please subscribe to the show wherever you like to get your podcasts. Leave a favorable review or star rating while you are there. That really does help me a lot. If you have any friends who would be interested in listening to this kind of conversation, please let them know. And go to patreon.com slash soundofthemoment if you would like to make a donation to help me keep the show up and running. Any amount is incredibly helpful and I really do appreciate it a lot. So many thanks to those of you who already do support me in that way. You can reach me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. You can go to the Facebook page for Sound of the Moment and you can email me at pat at soundofthemoment.com. Now for more music from Lala's debut album, this track is called Short Summary. Just a quick note to mention that I will not be releasing a new episode two weeks from now. That will be the 31st of December. And I have decided, well, I will be home with family for the holidays and I've decided I will be skipping uh, the podcast that week. But that will be just one week. So instead of being back in two weeks, I will be back in three weeks. Uh, So thanks so much for listening. And I will be back in three weeks with another episode of Sand of the Moment.